Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to The Haunted Estate, the ultimate paranormal podcast with your host, Selena Myers. From ghost stories and haunted history to the darkest sides of our reality, we hope you enjoy your stay on The Haunted Estate. But don't get too comfortable. Our ghosts haunt more than just these hallways. Hello, my beautiful creatures, and good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening to this in the world. It's me, your host, Selena, and it's been a while, but I'm back with lots of new great content, and I'm back with a new microphone, so I hope you enjoy that. Quickly, some good news on the docket. My new book, The Haunting of Clandestine House, is now available. You can find it on Amazon and Audible. But you like my voice, right? So you should head over and listen to that on Audible. Feel free to sign up using the link on the Haunted Estate Facebook page. There you will get a copy of my book for free. If you already have Audible and you still want the book for free, I'll trade you for a review. I do have a few codes to give out, so send me an email, selena at thehauntedestate.com. As we all know, that's also the email for you to send me your stories, your topic ideas, and anything. I love hearing from you. Good, the bad, the ugly. I thought that we would start this episode off with a chapter from my book, The Haunting of Clandestine House. So let's take a quick look at chapter 10, and after that, we'll dive in deep to another spooky episode. Chapter 10 Hannah settled into bed and reached for the red journal. She vaguely became aware of a thin, hollow sound. Her heart stood still for a second before she realized it was her phone ringing downstairs. She groaned. She'd left it sitting in the front room. Flinging the covers aside, Hannah ran across the room and unlocked the door before racing towards the stairs. Mia raced ahead of her and scampered down the staircase. The phone had stopped ringing before the time Hannah had made it to the sitting room. She saw that it was Adam. She redialed the number, but the phone failed to connect. She tried again and again, but there was no service. Hannah sighed, then picked up Mia and trudged back upstairs. Back in bed, Hannah crawled under the heavy weight of her comforter. Mia leapt up next to her, then circled around twice before plopping down with a soft grunt. Hannah reached over and stroked the dog's fur before lifting her hand to her neck. The flesh was hot, 
where the mirror handle had touched it. She knew that she had left that mirror on the kitchen table downstairs. How did it end up in her hand? She shook her head, knowing that there was no rational explanation. Hannah could see her parents' faces in her mind, the worried looks that they would exchange when she told them the story. They wouldn't believe her. That's why she would bring them with her. They could spend the next weekend at the house and see it for themselves. Adam, Buddy, the locals, everyone now had a story about the place. Hannah couldn't believe how naive she had been. It had been so easy for her to fall into this place with all her good intentions. But the walls were alive. She had done her best to ignore it. She took a sip of the cool wine, which was refreshing after the fright in the bathroom. Hannah set the wine glass down and surveyed the two books on the bedside table. Looking at her phone, Hannah saw it was 11.30 p.m. She only needed a couple hours of sleep to drive the four and a half hours home. She would leave early, right after the sun rose. Hannah selected the red journal. The lock popped open with a slight move of the lever. Fragments of dried leather scattered across the white comforter. Hannah carefully flipped through the pages and saw that the journal was about three-quarters full, then turned back to the front. The inscription on the front page showed that the journal had belonged to Mary Clandestine. Hannah closed her eyes and pictured the stern courtians of the woman in the family portrait. The first half of the book was written as a simple record of daily life and perfect handwriting. Mary plainly listed each day's events unceremoniously, Activities, chores, visits, illnesses. Sipping her wine and reading the family's routines brought a calm over Hannah, and she got lost in the normalcy of everyday life. Mary's writing style abruptly changed in the last part of the book. These pages were filled with narrative rather than lists of activities. Hannah adjusted herself and sat up higher in the bed, leaning over the book to decipher the messy writing. The carefully formed words of the previous pages now rushed together, as if the author was trying to write as quickly as possible. September 26, 1907. The stables did not get attended to again today. We have spent every hour at Esther's side. The priest was out yesterday, a quiet man he was. He met with Esther briefly before going through her things. Arthur had to hold her down, As the priest examined her things, she would lash out and make guttural noises. It was a damning sight. He pulled out items I know for a fact I did not purchase for her. A mirror with what the priest called demonic inscriptions. It was beautiful, but I understand what he meant. The star was upside down. When the reflection of the mirror caught the priest's eyes, he let out a cry and tried to smash it on the bed. Not even a crack appeared in the flawless glass. With the mirror were brown-stained papers with words in another language, one the priest found familiar but could not name. Esther is an uneducated girl. She only knows how to read and write basic English. She never took to school and knows no other languages. The priest used the word possession when he spoke of my daughter. Yes, we are religious people, but I could never believe such a thing. Arthur thinks she's sick in the head. 
She was always a dark child. Being twins, it seemed as if one sister was born of the light, my dear Victoria, and one of the dark. Where Victoria nurses ill kittens back to health, Esther steps on their delicate necks. Victoria had such a hard time watching her sister. She barely sleeps, afraid to shut her eyes. Last night was the first time we resorted to binding Esther's hands and feet to the end of the bed. The prior evening, Victoria awoke to wetness on her face, and Esther bent over her. She had bit into her lips so deeply, the blood poured onto her sister's face. We heard the screams. Rushing in, we found Esther with bright red blood coming down her nightgown, and Victoria hunched in the corner of her bed, screaming, It truly was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I don't agree with Arthur, though. I don't think it's in her head. I have seen things he has not. Just two days ago, I witnessed Esther standing at the top of the stairs across from the large mirror we imported from Italy. I listened carefully and heard her whispers. She spoke in tongues. I was terrified, but could not run from my own daughter. I came to the top of the stairs. Esther had her hands on the mirror, but the girl in the reflection was not her. I was too afraid to touch her. The priest left an hour ago. I have good faith in him. What other choice do I have? She dramatically worsens day by day. Mary. Hannah flipped the book over on the bed to keep the page and slid quietly as possible out of the bed. Without making a noise, she tiptoed to the door and pressed her ears against it, as if afraid to hear Esther speaking in tongues in the hallway. She slowly turned the key, then grasped the knob and eased the door open a crack, letting light from the room spill into the hallway. Hannah glanced uneasily at the mirror on the wall to the right, but saw nothing in the hall or in its reflection. Aside from the strip of light emanating from the room, the rest of the house remained immersed in darkness. She shut the door and relocked it, her heart pounding and curiosity settling. The sheets felt welcoming as she slipped back beneath them and lifted the book from the bed, eager to read what would happen next. October 1st, 1907. Things are changing. Something is wrong with Victoria now, too. Tonight, Arthur went to do his bed check on the twins, 
When he saw both Esther and Victoria were gone from their beds, he rushed into my room to alert me. I ran through the house screaming their names, but they did not answer. I left the house in nothing but my nightgown. I saw the barn silhouetted by a bright light. I tore up my own feet running around to the other side, Arthur right behind me. There was a fire raging in one of the animal pens. Arthur stopped dead in his tracks as he saw it. The image before us was something I find hard to recount. My girls, the sweet girls I once nurtured in my own womb, were standing across from one another, separated by the fire in the middle of the pen. Their small, naked bodies were almost recognizable for the blood that covered them head to toe. They stood unmoving, calling out words I'd never heard. I let out a scream. Victoria broke eye contact and looked directly at me, but only for a second before she turned her back. Her sister did the same, as if it was a perfect reflection. I saw dark shapes on the grounds near the girls. I stepped forward to see better. Behind each girl lay a milk goat from one of our flocks. Together the girls kneeled to the goats, reached their hands inside of their bodies, They scooped out the guts and added fresh coats of blood to their skin. Then I realized that they had used their hands to tear the animals open. My body betrayed me then, and I fainted. I awoke to Arthur slapping me. I looked over. Both the girls laid crumpled on the ground. The fire reduced embers. Arthur told me the girls had fallen at the same time I did. We went to them slowly. We shook them afraid they had died. Both were hot to the touch. Only Victoria made a sound. I know that this is the devil's work. Some evil thing has caused this. I sat with the girls and cried as if I was a child myself. Arthur picked up the girls without a word, gently positioning them over his shoulders. We slowly made our way back to the house. We took them to the kitchen, put them in the tub, one of the girls at each end. They were awake, but not responding, not even when we poured cold water over them. They sat unblinking, staring into each other's eyes as if they were having some kind of wordless conversation. In a way, it felt as if I was caring for newborns. I wailed as I scrubbed the blood from their bodies. I am so scared for them, scared for Arthur, scared for me. My sweet Victoria was fine this afternoon, sitting on the porch with her needlepoint, talking to me about going into the city. This was just hours ago. How did the evil from Esther sink into her so quickly? Once we had rinsed the last of the blood off them, we dried the girls, dressed them in their night clothes. Arthur guided them upstairs to their room while I cleaned the kitchen. The girls had looked so disturbing, sitting in the bloody gore water. I heard Arthur call my name, and I rushed upstairs. Arthur and the girls were standing in the hallway. I looked to Arthur. He stood rigid, his eyes open as he stared, the whitest pallor of shock on his face. Both our girls stood in front of the mirror, but the reflection did not show the girls in their nightgown, no. Their images stood bathed in blood from the goats. Esther turned around to look at me, but her reflection did not move. In a childish voice, 
not her own, she uttered. In our reflection, time stands still. Together, Arthur and I managed to get the girls into their room. We bound their heads and their feet to their bed. We will stay with them just to be sure, as neither of us will sleep the rest of the night. First thing in the morning, we will send for the priest. A doctor will not help them. This is not a sickness of the body. I am so scared that death is the only option for my girls. How can I save them, dear diary? As I write this, they lay in their beds, skin hot as coals. Tomorrow I am going to the woods to dispose of the Starmere. I pray that this is the key to releasing this evil. Mary October 2nd, 1907 There is no change in the girls. They remain silent and unmoving. They do not respond to us. They only sit and stare at each other. I do not know what to do. October 3rd, 1907 We awoke this morning to find the girls gone again. How they escaped their bonds, I will never know. We were frantic with worry when the constable arrived and told us the girls had been found in town. We hurried there. The girls were alive, but in the same catatonic state we had left them last night. Nothing we did brought them out of their state. We have no choice but to commit them to the sanitarium. At least we can sleep easy tonight. Hannah turned the pages and was surprised to see that the next entry was written exactly one year later. October 3rd, 1908 I see them now, like the girls do. I see them in the mirrors. They are all standing still. All the horned animals from the carvings in the star mirror. I can feel them inside me. Time doesn't feel right. The sun has not yet risen, and it is near midday. Hannah's concentration broke as Mia pushed her head under Hannah's arm. She looked down to see the pages covered in tears. These were tears for Mary's family, but also for herself. She had come here with the most beautiful dreams for this place, and now she understood why it stood empty. This was not a home. This was some kind of hell. Adam was right. She needed to leave this place never look back. Hannah flipped the next page. An undated entry. The handwriting was starkly different. Mother said terrible things about me. She does not realize it was unnecessary. Time will stand still, and they can always stay. If she would have just listened to them, the ones in the mirrors, that's why she and father are now dead, tucked nicely inside of the mirror, where I can visit them every day. I found the pretty star mirror in the woods when I went searching for wildflowers. That's when I saw the box on the side of the river. The lid was open, as if left for me. Inside was the mirror, and the words that made no sense. That night, as I sat in the light of the moon reflected onto the mirror, I could start to hear them. The more I sounded out the phrases in the papers, it became clear, 
and they told me the most beautiful things. It was easy to let them inside. It felt good to do what they wanted. It didn't take long for me to convince Victoria to listen to them, too. Today they shall cross the barrier, so they can move into all the mirrors, so they can play their games with everyone who comes. Together, we'll collect all their bodies, their souls. We can live where time stands still. We will come for them on the same day that we killed our parents. We will come for them on October 3rd. They will stay here. They will stay where time stands still. Goodbye, Mother. Esther. So there you have it, guys. Chapter 10 of my book, and I hope that you enjoyed it. That was probably one of my favorite chapters. That's the last one before we wrap it up and find out something pretty crazy that had been going on or not going on. (laughs) There's a little teaser. No spoilers, I promise. One more note in the book news, within the next couple months, I do have one more book coming out. It's called The Witches of Blackwick. Um, Definitely some more fiction, and I'm hoping that you guys will enjoy it. It's going to be a bigger book. Definitely something different that I have been working on. Um, I've had a good team helping me, and I think that it will be an interesting read. Start to a series along with that. Not paranormal, but... As we know, the haunted estate is more than just ghosts. We like to look at the darker things in the world. Murders, true crime, just strange occurrences in general, I guess. I have a book also that I've been working on called How They Died. Each chapter looks at the last days of somebody's life, through their eyes or a family member. Things from natural causes, cancer, suicide, overdoses, and murder... Sometimes I feel like those are the most interesting stories to hear. I was never the one to look into famous people, obsess over their lives or what interests them. What always held my attention was the weird people, the homeless people, the bad people. I think I was just so obsessed with wanting to know what made them that way. I think that's because I feel that way about myself. As we all know, I isolate. I'm not a fan of friends. Maybe on the internet. But if somebody called me up and was like, hey, let's go to the mall, that's kind of my worst nightmare. And this weekend people watch, because that's fun. I don't know what makes me tick, guys, but I'm glad I found a man that loves me. (laughs) I just think in my whole life, I've just attracted very weird situations. I don't try to put myself out there. I don't try to inspire people to treat me a certain way. But I think genuinely I've just had kind of bad luck in situations. I'm not going to lie, probably driving a hearse and wearing my weirdness on my sleeve has definitely attracted some of the stranger kind. We all know I took a really big break from the podcast here. There were reasons behind that that I did kind of talk about before, um, as my husband was very sick, but I kind of pick up a bit of a stalker, somebody who was leaving really dramatic (laughs) 
voicemails and stuff, so I had to get rid of the phone number for the podcast. Not that many people used it, it was mostly through email is where I heard from you guys, but I kind of picked up a creepy dude, and he was, like, legit around where I live, but he's been gone for many, many months, so I thought that it was safe to start up again because this is my passion and this is what I love and it's all over my hearse. So when people read that and go check out the podcast and see that there's nothing there, that's that's not cool, bros. That's not cool. So let's slow things down and talk about some creepy stuff. This Reddit post was brought to my attention a few days ago. And since then, I've been super obsessed with it. It touches on a subject that I feel very strongly about after all the reading that I've done about dimensions and stuff like that. You know, when we dream, we go to these places and we live these lives and sometimes you wake up and it feels so real. So this is a repost. It's called A Parallel Life, Awoken by a Lamp. My last semester in a certain college, I was assaulted by a football player for walking where he was trying to dive. Note, he was 325 pounds. I was 120. While unconscious on the ground, I lived an entirely different life. I met a wonderful young lady. She made my heart skip and my face red. I pursued her for months and after a few jerk boyfriends before I finally won her over. After two years, we got married, and almost immediately she bore me a daughter. I had such a great job, and my wife didn't have to work outside the house. When my daughter was two, she, my wife, bore me a son. My son was the joy of my life. I would walk into his room every morning before I left for work, and doted on him and my daughter. One day while sitting on the couch, I noticed that the perspective of the lamp was odd, like it was inverted. It was still 3D, but just wrong. It was a square lamp base, red with gold trim on four legs and a white square shade. I was transfixed. I couldn't look away from it. I stayed up all night staring at it. The next morning, I didn't go to work. Something was just not right about that lamp. I stopped eating. I left the couch only to use the bathroom at first. Soon I stopped doing that too as I wasn't eating or drinking. I stared at that lamp for three days before my wife got really worried. She had someone come in and try to talk to me. By this time my conscience was breaking up and my life was freaking out. She took the kids to her mother's house just before I had my epiphany. The lamp was not real. The house was not real. My wife, my kids, none of that is real. The last ten years of my life were not real. The lamp started to grow wider and deeper. It was still inverted dimensions. It took up my entire perspective, and all I could see was red. I heard voices, screams, all kinds of weird noises, and I became aware of pain, a shit ton of pain. 
the first words I said were, I'm missing teeth, and opened my eyes. I was laying on my back on the sidewalk, surrounded by people I didn't know. Lots were freaking out. I was completely confused. At some point, a cop scooped me up, dragged and walked me across the sidewalk and grass, and threw me face down in the back of a cop car. I was still confused. I was taken to the hospital by the cop. Seems he didn't want to wait for the ambulance to arrive. They gave me CT scans. I went through about three years of horrid depression. I was grieving the loss of my wife and children, and dealing with the knowledge that they never existed. I was scared that I was going insane, as I would cry myself to sleep, hoping I would see her in my dreams. I never have. But sometimes I see my son, usually a glimpse out of my peripheral vision. He is perpetually five years old, and I can never hear what he says. I love that story, our real account. I think of things like transcendental meditation and near-death experiences. But I think what always gets me the most is dreams. When I was a teenager, probably around 15 or 16, when puberty is punching you in the face, I had a dream, and it was so real, and it felt like it was months, and I was aware that It was a dream and I was trying to wake up and there was no waking up and I was living a full life. (laughs) I walked through this one part of town over by this park and they're really old houses from the 18 and 1900s and I swear I had been there and I had seen those houses in a much more beautiful glory. I was a young girl and I had a family and I got really, really sick and when I was sick is when I woke up. Was that a past life? Was he living a past life? Maybe his soul was shared. Maybe time doesn't really exist. It kind of hurts my head to think about. In the comment section of this article or write-up, some people shared their experiences. Here's one. I sort of had a similar dream once. Not injured, just sleeping but I know how the original poster may have felt. In my dream, I had a family, went to college, and had a best friend I'd known for years. I was practically a part of his family. That's how long we knew each other. I knew his mom, and basically it was just a normal life, in which I was much younger. I dreamed this when I was in my 30s, but going to college, I was younger in the dream. My friend and I often studied together, and this was just a very normal summer day. I remember telling him to bring his books and notes. We sat together, and I swear, this was absolutely normal and real. We were just sitting in my room on a red sofa, joking around, and didn't really start studying, when I suddenly felt lightheaded, then felt as if I was taken up. My friend looked mortified and shouted, What the F is happening? He tried to grab me, but couldn't. 
I tried to answer, but also couldn't. He became smaller and smaller as I went higher and higher. Then I woke up. Just like the original poster, I was confused. When I woke up, I still remembered my friend, all the years we knew each other, because it had been my life. Now all those people, including my parents, were suddenly not there anymore. It was as if I had literally been ripped out of one life and woken up in my usual one. My experience is nothing compared to the one above, but I want to say in a very long way that I know the feeling of waking up in another life, and it's quite different from normal dreams. But are they? Here also comes the theory about dreaming. Maybe we do live full other lives when we're asleep. You're awake right now. You're listening to this. You're hearing my words. But this was made at a different time. Who knows what I'm really doing right now? Maybe I'm asleep. Maybe I'm living another life. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. It feels good to be back. I'll post a lot. Don't forget to share this with your friends and family. And I want to keep making episodes, and The Haunted Estate's been really popular in Canada. Believe it or not, without making episodes, our listeners are retaining, and and it's pretty high. But the way that we stay out there, the way that people find me, is if you rate and review the podcast. So if you can do that on iTunes or wherever you listen to this, it means the world. Hey, make a Reddit post about me. Tell your friends, tell your mom. Have a great night, guys. Stay spooky. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.